Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. It is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also directly send in comments and interact with us at Lance Meadow. One word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the Giants fall to the Saints in New Orleans 24-6. Their three-game winning streak comes to a halt. Also, their four-game streak of having multiple takeaways also came to an end. There actually were no takeaways in this game. Neither team coughed up the football. When you said multiple, I was thinking to myself, man, what game did you watch? There was no. zero. Well, Not I, just multiple, but zero. Correct, but the Giants did have a streak coming in. in they did they have a streak. They had 12 takeaways, takeaways during the three-game winning streak. Absolutely. So that put a lot more strain on the offense. It and did. That's where I want to start, Paul, because we talked about the Packers game a week ago, and the one standout statistic in that game was, of course, Tommy DeVito was not sacked. But it wasn't just that he wasn't sacked. It was the fact that they avoided a high volume of negative plays. Even on the ground, Paul, very few negative yardage Correct. plays. Not a lot of overwhelming penalties. You move the calendar forward a few days, Tommy DeVito was sacked seven times. Yeah, They could not run the football. Nope. The penalties, remember, there was one drive where you had back-to-back penalties to start. You had an illegal formation on Mark Lewinsky. Then you had a false start on Justin Pugh. First and 10 becomes first and 20 in a flash. And this, to me, is the most telling statistic of all. They had nine possessions, Paul, in the game yesterday. On eight of the nine possessions, they had at least one negative play. And what I mean by that is either a penalty, a sack, or a run for a loss of yardage. You don't get any takeaways. You don't have chunk plays. They only had two plays of 20-plus yards. Good luck trying to overcome that trend. That was an absolute killer. They had four drives in the game which netted negative yardage. I mean, that even emphasizes what you just said moments ago. It was ugly. I'm not going to pull any punches. Seven to six game at halftime. They're absolutely in the game. 
Uh, they come out in the second half, and the Saints have the ball, obviously, because they receive the third-quarter kickoff, uh, and they score points on their first two drives. And from that point forward, if you thought that there was a chance the Giants could wake up and maybe, just maybe, turn the tide around, after the Saints scored on those first two third-quarter drives, it, the game flow just, just was not going to be good. And part of that was also... You know me, I'm not usually a big fan of bringing up time of possession, but time of possession worked in favor of the Saints because they scored with those possessions. So your point is, you mentioned they scored on their first two possessions of the second half, really three, because then they scored a touchdown again in the fourth, but they had a 10-play drive, they had a five-play drive. In between that, the Giants had six plays on two possessions for negative eight yards, Paul. They barely had the ball in the third quarter. Because Correct. the Saints dominated on the offensive side of the ball. Giants could not get off the field on third down. New Orleans was a 50% conversion rate. The Giants were 2 of 16. And this ties in, Paul, to what I'm talking about with respect to negative plays. They had 10 of their 16 third downs for 9 yards or more. And they only converted one of them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you take sacks, you don't run the ball. Paul, you're not facing third and fives. You're not facing third and sixes. And you'll take that if you're the Giants. You're facing third and tens, third and twelves. There was a third and 17. There was a third and 18, a third and 19, a third and 22. This offense is not built to survive those scenarios. The Giants had uh, two third down opportunities in the third quarter. There was a third and 17. There's one of them. And yep. there was a third and eight. That's it. That's it. Saints, third down opportunities in the quarter, third and one, third and two, uh, third, third and seven, third and three, <laughs> third and ten. Ooh, wow. <laughs> they had to go ten yards. Yeah. Uh, here was the one that really was, was very, very painful. It was 17 to six late in the third uh, quarter. Uh, and the Giants, uh, you know, give up the ball and they, they, they get them back at the 35 yard line after a pretty decent return, I might add, by Shahid. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, if, if if this is Custer's last stand, well, then this is where it's got to be. This is where the Giants, if they're going to salvage any hope here, they've got to hit the switch. They've got to get that turnover that you've been talking about. Or at the very least, get a three and out, get the ball back. And at least now, if you can make it a one-score game early in the fourth quarter, anybody can win yet. And instead... What do the Saints do? 11 plays, oh, it was a 65 drive. Yeah, sure. yards, yeah. 7 minutes. And it includes Perry's 16-yard catch on a third and 16. I mean, talk yep. about a dagger in the heart. Which they were faced with because prior to that, it was first and 20. And the reason why it was first and 20, they were called for offensive holding. So you actually put the Saints in a precarious spot. And then, as you mentioned, a few plays later, Perry gets the 16-yard grab. And then from that point on, they didn't face anything of challenge. The third and goal was from six yards out. They were using Kamara. He was slicing and dicing that defense. And we talked about him being their number one weapon in scrimmage yardage as well as rushing yards because of his ability to get in open space, whether it be on the ground or as a receiver, and we saw that on full display. Now, to be fair, and I know we always talk about, again, game flow and what's functional. Saints, 28 carries for 87 yards, 3.1 per carry, long Yeah, it wasn't a killer overall. The Giants' yeah. rush defense held up. 
I, I honestly did not have any problem with their rushing defense yesterday at all. It was more about timing, I guess, Paul, like where they were on the field well, and not being able to make a stop. Again, in many cases, those running plays came on short yardage situations. But you need to get off the field under those circumstances. Yeah, you do. You and do. It was a backbreaker. Uh, I, I, I want to just go back and kind of re-rack just a bit and mention Derek Carr, who was sensational yesterday. Very efficient, yep. That's the Derek Carr who I always admired when he played for the Raiders. You folks, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, I have always been a proponent of Derek Carr. In fact, I had thought at one time that when Eli's career was done here, Carr would be the guy, the, the veteran, who they should bring in to be the Giants' next quarterback. I've always been a big fan of Derek Carr. I think he's gotten a very bad rap with the Raiders, who have not always given him enough of tools. Um, and this year, of course, he's been banged up a lot with the Saints. He has not had a great season. Their offense was getting booed by the Superdome crowd early in the first quarter because it was just it didn't look like anything. And on the season, too. Well, Derek Carr, 23 for 28 for 218, three touchdowns, one sack, no interceptions. Okay? Talk about efficiency. He was a surgical veteran yesterday who played with savvy, played with poise, played with with outstanding accuracy, and to his credit, all right, he gave his receivers some catchable balls, and they made some nice fingertip grabs too, especially in the first half. They had some fingertip grabs that I'm like, oh, man, talk about playing above the X's and the O's. They're making those grabs, and the Giants are not. Giants, I think, had four drops in the game. They had two early on. They had two early. Yeah. I think I, I charged them with four for the game. Uh, you know, Carr was Carr was his flaw. And I, what was his quarterback rating? Quarterback rating was one thirty four. Okay, yeah. uh, he, he was he was a surgeon. He was absolutely fantastic. Now that doesn't excuse some of the I'm going to say miscommunication in the Giants secondary on two of the touchdowns. They gave up three passing touchdowns on the day. One of them. Graham just flat out beat Michael McFadden on, on an out route into the end zone. But the other two, to, to my viewpoint, there must have been miscommunication. Well, Jawan Johnson was in that zone where he just snuck through and was wide open. Well, as you saw, if you, I mean, I was right there on the, in the end zone. McKinney had shaded off, I believe, to Shahid to the one corner of the end zone, and that opened up a large spot in the middle of the end zone. Now, I don't know if he was supposed to go there or not, but what I do know is that Pinnock was the other safety, and he seemed to be in the middle of space. And right after the touchdown, McKinney and Pinnock had conversation. Uh, there was some miscommunication there. Somebody did something where either they, they, they hurt each other they got the play wrong, or somebody had had a momentary brain lapse. But one of those two guys, I'm not going to finger either one of them, other than to say one of those two safeties should have been able to attempt to defend that pass in the end zone. But as it was, they were split. It was a wide-open gap, yeah, he went right and Carr it. found it. Yeah, That's what a veteran quarterback does. Okay, Then there was another touchdown on Johnson's a touchdown down the right seam where Flat has him coming off the line, the tight end, you'll remember. Flat has him coming off the line in the slot. 
He gives him up because the Giants, we believe, are playing zone. So he gives him up, lets him go by, and poor Dory Jackson, who's playing left corner, he's tracking his receiver downfield, and he realizes, holy good God, Johnson's coming down here, and now i got to try to defend two guys at once. So he late tries to get over, but way too late, and Johnson catches the touchdown. So the question becomes, it was I'm sure it was his own defense from what from what I could see from the field. Yeah. The question was, well, Flott clearly thought it was his own. Did he get the call wrong? Was he supposed to follow him down the field and play man? I don't think that's what happened, but it could have happened. Was Pinnock over the top as the safety. He again shaded to the right of the defense to go for, I think it was Shahid again. Was he supposed to be over the top for Flott's guy? He went the other way. I don't know. This is why, this is why, folks, these statistical analysis things that you all subscribe to, it's laughable because they'll assign blame to somebody. And I'm telling you right now, right there. Could have been Flott, could have been Pinnock. Okereke's the linebacker on the play inside Flott on the left of the defense. As that play develops, he's in the middle of it covering space. He's in the middle of a black hole with nobody near him. Was he potentially supposed to come out and go chase the tight end? I don't think so, but I don't know. Well, that's why Wink or one of the players would have to address it. To right, confirm. and we haven't had a chance to talk yeah. to them about it. And he may not even do that. because He may not. He may not want to throw a player under the but bus. But the point is, I just, I just played out for you three potential defensive players who, depending upon what play was called, may or may not have had the responsibility to help out on that play or to cover the guy, for that matter. And... Nobody did. And Carr took advantage. And he did that multiple Carr times. Carr took advantage. He yeah. saw it. Sure. He, sees, he sees his tight end running downfield in the seam. He sees Flott vacate and leave him. He's like, this is a pitch and catch. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? So it's a shame because despite what you're talking about on the third downs and despite the ball control the Saints had, those are two plays where guys were left all alone for pitch-and-catch touchdowns. I don't know what would have happened if those plays were defended correctly, but I'd like to believe maybe they turn into field goals. Maybe the game's a hell of a lot closer. Maybe the game flow then doesn't get out of hand. Maybe the Giants are able to do something. But those two touchdowns blew the game wide open. That's why as much confusion as the Giants' defense creates, sometimes they create confusion for themselves. At least it appeared in this case. I also think, though, and this is why matchups are important to take into consideration in the context, because who did they play in the previous few weeks? They played young, inexperienced quarterbacks, right? Sam Howell, first year as the full-time starter. Right. Okay, you had New England, Mac Jones, and Bailey Zappi, okay. both young guys. And Jordan Love, as good as he was playing... This is his first year as a starter. Now you played Derek Carr. Derek Carr has more starts than all of those guys I mentioned combined. Multiple more game. starts. Okay? So meaning the things you try to showcase Carr, he may not get as confused as some of the others. This is why the matchup matters. The other thing that I want to highlight, 
And this goes back to the Giants' offense versus the Saints' defense. Dallas is a stunt and twist team. And they have a field day every single time they go up against the Giants. Yep. Not every team that plays the Giants implements that. New Correct. Orleans did, though. And New Orleans feasted on yep. things that Dallas also capitalized. And this seems to be an ongoing Achilles heel issue for the Giants, no matter the year, no matter the scheme, no matter the coordinator, no matter the personnel. And I'm actually surprised that more teams who are not even used to running stunts and twists don't try to test the Giants in that department because you go back and you look at why New Orleans had seven sacks. They had a lot of movement, Paul, up front. And that's another reason why I know Tano Passigno finished with three of the seven, but it was a group effort across the board. Carl Granderson had one. He led the team in sacks. Demario Davis, who we talked about, if you remember, on Friday's program. Demario Davis, by the way, on the first two possessions of the game, only had a sack, three tackles, and one for loss. The guy was everywhere. But I want to get back to the twist and the stunts, Paul. Mm -hmm. it seems every time the Giants go up against a team that has that as a staple of the defense, it is a major problem for them. Well, I just looked at my chart. I did all the tape review earlier this morning. It wasn't pleasant. They gave up one sack off the edge of seven. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Greasy. Sure. Yeah. That's it. So the guys were coming through the middle. Yeah. I mean, I one out of seven off the edge. The edge, the edge and by the way, that was on the right side in the fourth quarter with the game out of hand and the clock running down. Sure. Breezy. Yeah, that was Zach Bond, wasn't that? Or he was involved in that, I thought. Breezy, Breezy made the play oh, off the edge. Oh, it was Breezy, okay. Breezy, Breezy gotcha. made the play off the edge, off, yep. the, uh, off the left side of the Saints' edge. Uh, one sack off the edge. How many coaches would take that? Gladly. But you know? instead, New Orleans was coming up the gut. Yeah. They were not content with the edge. Yeah. Because, once again, you look at film study – and you see what other opponents did so well. It so, was ugly, man. It yeah. was just ugly. It but, was an ugly game in but, every way. But the reason why that's important to discuss, what you and I are breaking down right now, Paul, is a lot of fans will say, well, the offensive line looked good over the last three weeks. They'll say that there was improvement. And that's not off-key, off-base. They were functional. Correct. They, they were, were functional. No, I'm not saying that's, they were. That's the key correct. word. And functional. They weren't allowing the negative plays, the damaging back-breaking plays to overshadow production, okay? But the problem is, if you play Dallas and then a few weeks go by, Paul, and you don't see a team that stunts and twists, and now all of a sudden you see a team that does that, you have to then weigh improvement based on what you did against the Cowboys and not what you did against the Commanders, the Patriots, and the Packers. This is why matchup and styles define results in the NFL. I don't disagree with what you're saying, but at the same time, as we always talk about, there's a quicksand of mediocrity in the middle of the standings in the National Football League. And if you just beat the teams that you're supposed to beat or the teams that are on your same talent level, you will stack up enough wins to be a playoff team. That's what the Giants did last season when they won nine games. Okay, They were not very good. In fact, they were poor against the top-shelf teams in the league. No, especially Outs Dallas and Philly in their own division. Outside of Minnesota, yeah. which we knew was a good matchup for them. But that's the way it is always in this league, okay? You got you got maybe five teams who were possibly top shelf teams. Everybody else, no. No. There's there's the 
big middle quicksand of mediocrity, and then there's the real drag on the bottom. Well, if you're part of group two or group three, you go out there every week thinking you've really got a chance. And that's all you need to do. Beat those teams in group two and group three, and you're going to the playoffs. Unless you got a nasty schedule like the Giants had this year, and you compound it with injuries at the wrong time. Then all of a sudden, you really got a problem. The other issue that cripples you is when you have two of those top-shelf teams in your division. Because that's four games. That's four games. That's very, very painful. Well, but I would say the problem specifically for this year is if you look at the wins, it's the bottom tier, the lowest tier, I would argue, not necessarily the middle tier. Outside of the win over Green Bay, the other victories, Washington, Arizona, New England, I would put those They're teams third on the tier. bottom tier. They're third tier. Yeah, so you haven't had enough success in the middle tier, yeah. Paul, that you're talking you're right. about to stay within striking distance of those areas. The middle tier being, being uh, you know, I think Seattle is a middle tier. I think at the time they played Buffalo, they were a middle tier. Buffalo seems to have kind of... I'd still Cli- keep, they're, they're climbing they're out of climbing, the quicksand. But they're still Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Okay. So you could keep them in the so, middle So, tier. you know, that's, fine. That, that's why that game was very painful. The Seattle game was incredibly painful because, I'm sorry, but they're in that quicksand. They're in the middle tier. The Jets... You could argue whether or not they belong in Tier 2 or Tier 3. Yeah, I but, mean, the defense maybe keeps them in that middle tier. But those are games you got to win. Yeah, well, that's what I'm those are about. Those are Tiers 2 and Tier 3. you got to win Tiers 2 and 3. And the Raiders, too, I'll throw in there as well. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. So, Raiders, are, Raiders are Tier 2. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, four games. Four games the Giants lost against Tier 2 or Tier 3 teams. You can't do that. And the other issue is this was the, in terms of the tally, this was the fourth time this season they failed to score a touchdown. Then in five games, they have failed to score an offensive touchdown because in the Miami game, the Pinnock pick six was the only score. So that's been a trend, whether it's middle-tier teams, top-tier teams, bottom-tier teams. Then you bring in the takeaways. That has also fluctuated. And they had this nice run, and I think that, took pressure, overwhelming pressure, off of the offense over the last few weeks, Paul, right? It did. Okay? You didn't have anyone short in the field for the offense yesterday because there were no takeaways or there were no disruptive plays, however you want to spin it. And the problem is, as I've said, game in and game out, this offense, Paul, is not built to consistently go 75, 80 yards down the field and score touchdowns. No doubt. Whether you want to say it's a personnel issue – it's the lack of chunk plays. However you want to spin it, they're not built to do Certainly that. not with their third-string quarterback, to be fair. If Daniel Jones is playing... I still would argue, though... You know, they're better, they're better equipped. They're better, but there were challenges no matter who's been at the controls this season. So that's why you need other things to help alleviate and balance things out. And they didn't get any of that yesterday. But when you look at the run, specifically the three-game winning streak... Okay, let's go back. They had six takeaways against the Commanders. Now, that's not well, the norm, okay? But you had three against the Patriots, okay? You had half of that against New yeah. England. And then against Green Bay, you had three more. Yeah. So those are reasonable. Two to three, that's reasonable. You went now from that area to the extreme six to the middle ground three well, to nothing against New Orleans. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Which goes back I'm to the I'm tired of matchup. having to yeah. defend him. 
to, to so many people. I know he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but damn it, he is a good quarterback. And yesterday, he showed how good he can be. And he had his best game. He was terrific. He was absolutely terrific. He didn't, he didn't throw one pass that was even questionable in terms of being in the vicinity of, as, as uh, uh, John likes to say, turnover-worthy plays, yeah. which I believe he took from one of those well, services. No, pro Football Focus right? does that. They Turn- turnover-worthy, yeah, right? they do that. Sure. Carr didn't throw any dangerous passes the entire day. Kept the ball He's only got seven play. picks for the season, you know. For as badly as he has supposedly played, okay, he's still only throwing seven interceptions all year. Well, he's been banged up. That's definitely he's been a factor. terribly banged up. The offense overall has not been explosive. So I don't think anything that happened yesterday wasn't necessarily surprising because most of their plays, as we were talking about, were small plays that led to methodical drives in which they finished off with touchdowns. They weren't killing the Giants down the field with home no, run after no. home run. But he was a surgeon. He, he really was. was. No, and, that's a great way and, to describe and it. And the, the terrible part for me about it was he was the real Derek Carr yesterday. After actually having a lot of issues, the offense had been struggling. Yep. He's been hurt a lot. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? He hasn't been himself for much of this season. They're missing Olave. And Ramchek. And Ramchek. And, and it's like... Yeah. Come on, come on. They're, they're, no, no, they're not going to get on track today. And then he hit the switch, and he gave him the real Derek Carr yesterday. And it was just deadly. The only play I thought that the Giants really made to help out DeVito was the one-handed grab by Saquon Barkley on the sideline. On the left sideline. That was yep. a hell of a grab. That was. It was about the only time that, that any of the Giants players gave DeVito any help. You know, we talked about, I think, four drops on the game. You know, gotta 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 do a little something for him too. You know. Well, also the few times that he wasn't under siege as well, right? Because huh. there was a lot of pressure. And Saints did a really nice job. And I think you brought this up on Friday's show. Even the Saints players talked about this. Their issue this season was handling mobile quarterbacks who like to run. They did a nice job. They they, they allowed the third most rushing yards by quarterbacks on, during the course of the season. The problem for the Giants, I thought, was. Not only did they do such a good job of putting heat on him, but they contained him. Yeah, they they didn't let him have any escape lanes at all. And to be honest, I'm thinking for sure after what he did against Green Bay, 70 yards plus rushing, and knowing how the Saints are a sieve against running quarterbacks, I'm thinking to myself, well, this shouldn't be much of an issue. You know, if, if Devito runs for 50 or 60 yards, that should not surprise you. At the very least, he should. Football's not that easy, though. No, no, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. And part of the problem, again, was not just the fact that they kept collapsing the pocket on him, but also the game flow when the Giants didn't have the ball much in the third quarter. Yeah, you don't have the luxury to and run. And they're behind yeah. as many yeah. points as they were. Sure. That that part, if it was in the playbook, that part of the playbook dissolved. And it doesn't help when Saquon Barkley has nine carries for 14 yards because all of a sudden he's not a threat anymore. So there were a lot of factors. But we also talked about this on Friday, not to say that this is all on Tommy DeVito, but it was going to be interesting to see how teams would adjust to him based on his skill set, right, especially the run game, and how he would counterpunch that. So here's another example. New Orleans saw what he did against Green Bay. They were like, Tommy, we're not going to let you kill us on the ground. 
Now, how do you adjust? And clearly, the Giants were limited on many different fronts. But the one other thing I want to piggyback off of, which I was going to bring up, and you beat me to it, was the fact that New Orleans was down two notable players in Chris Olave and Ryan Ramchek. And every team, just goes to show you, deals with injuries, okay? You're going to lose components. But notice, we did not talk about the significance of the absence of those two players at all. Why? Because the tight ends Amazing. made plays for the Saints. Keith Kirkwood had his first touchdown since Drew Brees was the starting quarterback. And Landon Young, okay, who filled in for Ryan Ramchek, sixth-round pick in 2021. They did a heck of a job protecting Derek Carr. One sack, two quarterback hits. So yep. it just goes to show you the Giants are not on an island, and a bubble is my point. Have the Saints been hammered by as many injuries as the Giants? Maybe not, but they've had guys absent, and can you still perform at a certain level without the talking point after the game being, we were missing a star-wide receiver, we were missing a right tackle. New Orleans did not make it a talking point, and they did not allow the Giants to capitalize, and that was significant as well. Again, Carr got rid of the ball, did a really good job of feeling Whatever heat the Giants put on him, and it wasn't a lot. He stepped up on one of them where I think Ojolari was yeah. close to getting to him. Uh, he, 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 he just did a really, yeah. really super job. That's, that was vintage Derek Carr. It really was. He, and, he, and he understood that he didn't have to throw 20 and 30-yard passes to do it either. They went with this short to medium range. He took stuff. what the defense gave him. And yeah. it was, again, I can't say enough. Flawless performance by Derek Carr. Well, I will say this. If the Saints perform in the balance that they showcased yesterday, they are in all likelihood win the NFC South. I mean, yes. it's really, it's them in yes. Tampa Bay right now. Atlanta had a devastating loss to Carolina yesterday. So, well, they've got the best quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's how I think most of us saw the division play out. Unfortunately, it didn't go as smoothly for the Saints, but. Their defense also has been playing its best football. I mean, they, I think, have now gone 22 drives for the opposition without allowing a touchdown. Yeah. I would say that's pretty good yeah. under the circumstances. All right, injury yeah. news, we should let people know. Dable, uh, Coach Dable said he didn't uh, sit with the trainers yet, but we do know that Bullock uh, had a hamstring pull on the 56-yard field goal that he made, which just cleared the bar. I was right on the goal line. He yeah. just made it. Uh, and then uh, uh, Gillen had to go into the tent because he had a he had a sore muscle um, uh, punting the ball. I remember he got run into, and then he wound up kicking a forty yard field goal, which was great. Second career attempt. His his kickoff was ugly. <laughs> okay, uh, but you know you would think you would think that they're going to have to go to York uh, this week uh, in all likelihood. I, I mean, I don't know that, that Bullock's hammy is going to be so good that he'll be able to kick in a week. Yeah, hard to believe that he'll turn things around that quickly, though they do have an extra day with the game being on Monday. They do. So you never know. But this is what happens when you have guys that all of a sudden suffer injuries during the game. I mean, if you saw, well, you saw because you were there, Lawrence Cager was even warming up as an emergency guy at halftime. I, I saw... Um, Casey Kreider at one point actually Another one. take a couple of uh, couple of whacks at the ball. Uh, oh, you need to. I, I I thought that he might have been the third guy had they needed a third guy. No one confirmed that to me. Uh, I didn't know they showed. Uh, yeah. Oh, they, they showed, showed uh, on the broadcast. Cager was. They showed up. Cager too. Yep. Yeah. Kreider took a couple of uh, swings at the ball as well. Maybe maybe they told both of them. You know. Hey. Well, the more guys, the merrier. At this you guys, point, right? you guys want to try a few kicks on the side and see how it feels. I mean, oh man. What a day. Yeah. And Gillen, by the way, the first career field goal attempt, coincidentally, was here at MetLife Stadium. It was with the Cleveland Browns. They were playing the Jets week 16, 2020. They okay. brought him out there 
right at the end of a half, mm-hmm. you know, to try a long, a sixty-one yard field right. goal attempt, Paul. Well, it he's went got short. A, he's got yeah. a, he got a hammer for a does. Blake. That's why yeah, he called well, him. That's he's why got a correct, absolutely. Well, and I think he proved that with the forty yard field goal was nice. It was. Oh. And how about how about uh, Oshevsky with the hold? Nice job. It just goes to show you how much a team has to evolve within a game because yeah. you never know when these things come up. That's why you always have to have emergencies. I remember when Odell Beckham was on the team, you know, they could turn to him because of his soccer background and yes. everything else, but you don't always have somebody on the roster. They have guys that played quarterback in high school. They don't necessarily have a number of guys that kicked under those circumstances. How true. Yeah. All right, few reminders before we open up the phone lines. You can check out the latest editions of the Giants Huddle podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go to Giants.com slash podcast. Some single tickets are still available for the final two home games. And you can head to Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, it's Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand to direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. James is in Georgia. He gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, James? What's going on, guys? Hi. Not so happy Monday compared to the last three, huh? Well, that's life <laughs> in the NFL. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, some you said uh, earlier was, um, you know, we faced a much better opponent in Carr and the Saints offense. But in this uh, late in the season, our defense just had too many issues that shouldn't be arising for, you know, a team looking to make a a playoff push no matter who who they got on the field on offense. I get the offense been anemic for the last month when they were putting up good numbers, but the defense looked out of sorts yesterday. It was a bad game all around. But defense just looked really out of sorts. McFadden, in particular, he was way too shallow on on two of those touchdowns, like you were talking about, Paul. He should have been occupying that space in between the goal line and where there was nobody in within five miles of you. If you're playing that zone, instincts got to take over and be like, "Hey, I should be dropping back to this deep crosser or something." There's nobody else around me. Who am I? Who am I guarding at this point? Well, I you don't know, know I mean? about both of them, but but I will I will say that obviously the one on Jimmy Graham. I mean, it, it looked like that was his assignment, and Graham had caught touchdown passes on three of the four catches he had this Correct. season, including the previous two weeks. So it should not have been a surprise when he was in the game Correct. down low that they might throw to him. Yeah, he was a favorite red zone target. Actually, here's his numbers. Seven targets, six receptions, four touchdowns, and now he has a score in three straight games. So the previous two games, Jimmy Graham had scored. I, I you yeah. know, I I would like I would like to have been more alert on him. But but I again yeah. I, I, I don't want to start pointing fingers at guys because right, right, we right, don't right. know the call. I would have assumed and again it could be an incorrect assumption that he could have played that better. It was a it was a game flow game yesterday. Like, and if you take it into that, you'd be like, okay, we probably would have lost fourteen to twelve. You know what I mean? Maybe. And part and part of part of the Giants' speech or Dable's speech going into the game is, look, guys, they are the best third quarter team in the NFL. We weather the third quarter pretty good. And then then it's a fourth quarter game, and you know we're back in it. Third quarter we didn't fare it as well as we probably should have. But that should have been part, like, for some reason, call it scheming, call it, the you know, the luck. They're a good third-quarter team. You got, got to, you know, bunker down coming out of the half. 
if we weather that, we were right where we wanted to be. And, you know, it didn't happen that way. Yeah, well, it was a 7-6 game at the break. It's 17 nothing. The Saints outscored the Giants in the second half. So they weren't just a better yep. third-quarter team. They were a better fourth-quarter team, too, as well. Yep, yep. Yep. And, I mean, nobody, like I said, nobody really played to the back of their uh, to their card yesterday. Ojolari, not Ojolari, Tibbs and Dex, you know, sometimes you got to feel uh, they're washing me out of the play every single time. Maybe I should try to stay home a little more instead of chase the, chase the carrot and let Kamara, because while the running game didn't destroy us, there, they, there was way too many eight-yard runs, you know what I'm saying? Man, way too many six, seven-yard runs, you know? Yeah, they had manageable downs because they had manageable runs that afforded right, them the cool. opportunity to stick with that. And I think the Saints offensive line played a really good game. And those guys deserve right. credit because, you know, that was a group that had been battling some injuries and so forth. And James, appreciate the phone call. We'll right. let you go on that note. Thanks for giving us a ring. Let's head back to the phone lines. Dan is in the Poconos joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Dan? Good afternoon, fellas. Good afternoon to you. What's on your mind? Oh, Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Um, well, I just got two things. Um, I was, again, I called about a month ago, and I was just, uh, I was going on some kind of tirade about, you know, it's just, I, I, every draft, you might remember, I don't know if you guys were on, every draft, I don't care if the next coming of Joe Montana is there, Deion Hopkins, you know, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end. DeAndre I would Hopkins, draft, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would I would just draft an offensive lineman or defensive lineman every damn pick. I don't care who's there. I, I would be known as the general manager who only picked linemen his whole life. It's just so frustrating. You know, we've been trying to fix this damn line for so long. And I'm just, and I'm just glad I'm not, I'm not hearing anybody blaming DeVito because I don't care who was back there, right? He didn't have time to react. Sometimes he turned around. He was running for his life again. So I'm glad I'm not hearing anyone bashing DeVito. He didn't really have a, you know, he didn't play a great game. We know that. He missed a couple of sh a couple of throws that he admitted. But, you know, it's just so frustrating trying to do that. And, and in some ways, things, in some ways, to just, I'll let you finish, in some ways, uh -huh. in fact, in a lot of ways, Tommy DeVito felt like it, what it was to be Daniel Jones a lot of the time earlier yeah. this year. He really did. Because the circumstances sure. around him were almost duplicated earlier this season when Daniel Jones was playing quarterback. So let's just reiterate for, for like the 500 billionth time, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, if your offensive line isn't protecting, if they're not run blocking, if you can't keep the other team's defense honest, this is what happens. Throw Johnny Unitas back there, it doesn't matter. Well, listen, this is the best way to sum it up. Yeah. Giants quarterbacks have been sacked. 76 times this season. It's, it's okay, that's nuts. what the tally is. It's nuts. Think about that, okay? They have played, at this point, 14 games. 14 games, 76 sacks. Three quarterbacks have absorbed. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's so all you need to know. on that? How many a game? It's not pretty. That's too many a game. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. One and other thing, guys. Sure, yeah. And then you let me go. Um, they, you, know, you know the thing with, uh, you know, the, all, the, all the hype with, Vito, and they, uh, I think they call it the chef kiss, right? You know how he does that the thing? Celebration. The celebration. Chef kiss, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Right? You talk I, about I the Saints, mind. how they responded? Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind that. I know it's just, it's all in the game, you know, what's going to happen. Sure. But you know what pissed me off beyond belief? I saw the damn head coach do it. 
I saw another coach do it, and it just goes to show you what lowlifes they are over there at the Saints. They never got rid of since Bounty Gate. What? How embarrassing? How immature? Uh, I, how full class? I, I think you I think you're taking it too far, like Dan. That? No way. Well, I mean, Dan, huh? you know, I, I think you're taking it too far. I, I think it's, you know, it's part of the emotion yeah, and the energy of the game. I think, you know, I, I live by the philosophy to the victor go the spoils. When you win, you get to celebrate. If you don't like it, then you should do something about it. I mean, that's always yeah, been my perspective about coach, sports. You never see our coach. Well, and each coach is different. Each coach is different. And we may have not seen yeah, the Giants coach there, but... I, I don't know if there's a rule of thumb that says teams can't celebrate if they have success, I guess is my yeah, point. Yeah, but he did it. He did it. I saw the assistant coach doing it. They did it so many times. I'm like, give me a break. Where are you going? Well, the, the, the assistant coach, Dan the, the, Dan, the assistant coach, the special teams coordinator, who is Darren Rizzi, is a New Jersey native. If you saw before the game, I don't know if you saw this, yeah. he wore a Bergen Catholic yeah, shirt, okay? Because that's his alma mater. Yeah. And we know Tommy DeVito went to Don Bosco, a rival. So, I, I mean, I don't know what you thought of that. That that was involving a coach. No, I was okay with that. Well, but then, so what's know, the difference then? I mean, that's still you know? a coach getting involved in it. Is my point. Does it really make a difference yeah, at the yeah, end of the day? Just twisted me the wrong way, you know. Well, <laughs> no, and I get it, Dan. Listen, you're entitled to your emotions, but you can't have it where. Well, I don't want them doing it after a game, but it's okay for them to do it before a game. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's got to be some consistency in terms of the emotional pull here. That's all. Yeah, I. I all right, Dan, you break it up here. We'll let you go on that note. I don't know. It's a bad connection, but appreciate the phone call. I don't know if you observed any of that, Paul, on the sideline from where you're at. To be honest with you, it's it's of no consequence to me. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that had that's, no bearing on the game at the end of the day. It's outside so, noise. It has no yeah. bearing on the game. I got enough troubles trying to go through the headaches that the game presented no, without worrying it. about all the other ancillary But you know crap. it becomes a talking point. Sometimes these things become more talking point than actually what happens in the game. Well, because it's hype. Sure. And it, people, people need to... Uh, you know, quench their thirst for hype and stuff that's irrelevant. Sure, I get it. Yeah. That's the way we are now as society. Without you know, a doubt. I, I, you know, I just... Look, I remember when head coaches used to wear suits. It wasn't that long ago that head coaches wore suits well, on the Del sideline. Jack Del Rio did it when he was the head coach you know? in the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, Mike Nolan did Mike it. Nolan in, did it for the in, Niners. In tribute to his father. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Uh, I'm, to me... I don't think there's any room for either head security people, uh, hint, hint, Philadelphia Eagles, or any of your coaching staff to be demonstrative in that way. Personally, if you really want my opinion on it, I'll give it to you. Your staff and your coaches, they need not to be demonstrative. Your players, they play the game. They can have emotion. They can do what they have to do. But I don't think your staff or, you know, outside of an occasional pump fist, you know, uh, you know, you want to, oh, yeah, all right. Hey, good job, Johnny. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll go there. But the over-demonstrative stuff by, by a coaching staff or by any staff members on the sideline, to me personally, I would discourage it. If I were GM, I would discourage it. And listen, I don't know so what conversations go on. I, I just, I look at it, it's an emotional game, and there's emotional responses in the midst of a game. So, you know, it's easy for us to look and examine after the fact. But when you're invested in a game, Paul, right, you get emotional. So in that moment. Be, be a pro. Yeah. Hug your quarterback after the game if that's what you want to do. During the course of the game, I think you should be more worried about what's going on with the game than doing some kind of dumb celebration. Well, the stuff on the sideline that the last caller was referring to, I saw it when the game was wrapping up, when there was like a minute and they were ready to take a knee. Oh, see, I, I did not see it. The players I saw after they got sacks. 
They were celebrating the same way Tommy does. Well, you okay. know how I feel and, about that but, too. But you know, players love to rub it into each other. That's, of course they that's do. The nature of the this game. is this is that's all about it. Yeah. Society today is all about look at me, look what I did, and let's let's just you know. It's sports entertainment, though, Paul. Why do you watch the game? Don't you watch the game to be entertained? Okay. Do you not, though? If if I was interested in sports entertainment, I'd yeah. watch WWE. Eh, and I don't watch that anymore. Well, I'm not telling you to watch WWE, but what I'm saying is, even though it's professional sports, it still falls under the umbrella of sports entertainment. Nobody watches the NFL because it helps them from a health perspective. The doctor doesn't prescribe you. You much watch the NFL every single week in order to get over whatever you're dealing My with. My doctor does. Well, you're very different, and you're probably the worst person to bring this up. But I'm telling you, <laughs> for the rest of us in society, they do not prescribe watching the NFL <laughs> and to I, have And I'll be the first better, to tell you yes. that games like yesterday's are bad for my Well, health. I'm sure it does hurt maybe some people, <laughs> but I'm trying to be realistic at least in terms of the interpretation. Yes, All right. Let's head back to the phone lines. Well, this is not a great setup because Wilson and Roxbury is our next caller. Uh-oh. Speaking of unrealistic. This one's going to yes. go off the rails real quick. Yeah. What's happening, hey, Wilson? Hey, yeah. hey, hey my, my two buddies. I, I gave myself two mulligans. I called John and Jonathan a couple of weeks ago, and I'm calling my buddy my buddy Lance and my buddy uh, Paulie. I What's gave up? myself. This is my Christmas present for me. Okay. Go crazy on you guys today. Go crazy. All right. Well, we're all ears. Let's see what you have to offer us. Hey, yes. No, hey, hey, oh, 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 kidding aside, uh, listen, first things first, uh, happy holidays to you. Same to you. Guys, to your family. Back at you, man. Yep. For sure. And, uh, and listen, okay, here we go. Um, I'm Brian Dable and I'm Joe Shane. I don't want to talk about the games because the games to me are meaningless. The, the scores are – the Giants' problems go much deeper than if they win one more game this year or not. So uh, – Brian Dable has lost nine games this year. Seven of those nine games in the second half have been non-competitive embarrassment. But, you know, he's in a honeymoon this year. He knows he's coming back next year. And uh, he's got no railings. He's got no accountability. And he acts like that on the sidelines. And he acts like that on the podium. That's my opinion. My opinion only. Let him enjoy this year. Next year is going to be a lot different. And on Joe Shane, here we go. Eventually, Paulie, this is, this, you, you might agree with me with this. Uh, eventually, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, the day Gettleman that, oh my God, he left me a mess uh, excuse, got to be over. It's got to be over. Uh, the Giants are. Joe really... Shane never used that excuse, though. Oh, well, no, no, not, not him, but everybody else does, Paul. You know, oh, the Gettleman left a mess, this, that. Yeah, Paulie, come on. You hear not it. me. I never, oh, I never, you. I never use that excuse no, because there is none. There is no excuse. Oh, oh. Paulie, listen. A lot of people. A lot of people. But but they, I don't they, care they, about what a lot of people say. You ought to okay, know me okay. by now. I personally. I stand I personally, on my own two feet, and I'm here, and I'll no, be, I'm, I'm not, in your I'm face, and I'm not running from it. it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not telling you that you said it. I'm not telling you that you made the excuse. I'm saying that's that right. Over, the overall the overall opinion was that Dave Gettleman left left Joe Shane a mess. That was the overall opinion. And, and everybody. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying you or Lance or anybody. The only saying... facts are he left them with a very tight salary cap situation. Oh, 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 that's oh, oh, true. Okay. That's okay. true. That, and that, yeah. That's true, and I agree. But, but listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can tell you this today. Honestly, when Dave Gettleman was here, the Giants had, they had 10 times more talent than they have now. And the reason why Dave Gettleman did, didn't succeed is because they forced Joe Judge on him. If Joe Judge wasn't the head coach, it would have been a different story. But that's, that's water under the bridge. That's water under the bridge. It, we can't do nothing about that. But, but in a salary cap, in a salary cap uh, 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 sport where everybody's got the same tools, for the Giants, I mean, I mean, I mean listen, uh, New Orleans is a middle-of-the-pack team. 
of yep. that middle of that. Yep. And the difference in talent, the difference in talent, it was it's perplexing for. It's 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 mind boggling. I mean, Is it? I think the guys have less talent than Carolina. I mean, I mean. So listen, he's also he Ocean is also in a honeymoon, but next year, next year, it's got to be different, man. I called you, Paulie. I don't know if you remember. I told you this when I saw that when I saw the first preseason game against the against the Lions, and I said, "My God!" The only thing I took from that game is that the Lions have much better players. No, and that was that was in the preseason. So I don't. I mean, Paris Campbell. Uh, uh, Asian Robinson, uh, uh, Nacho, hey, whatever his name is. I mean, come on, man. I mean, so so listen. So they're in the honeymoon. They're in the honeymoon. I just don't know how you fix the lack of talent in one year. He better. He's be- because next. Fully listen. Next year is not gonna. It's not gonna be a honeymoon anymore. No more honeymoon for Brian Dable or for Joe Shane. Okay. Next year. No. Next year, I don't care if if I don't care if they their quarterback is playing from the street. They cannot embarrass themselves over and over and over and over again. Not no more. No after next year. Uh, I agree. Can you agree with me on this? Is the honeymoon over after this year? Yes or no? I don't know that there's a honeymoon. But here's the good news, Wilson. You've now yeah. popped. You've let all your steam out. You've told us <laughs> we got to wait until next year. So I invite you to call us back next year. No, no. I, there's really I no point in having I, any I other conversation. Well, you've said what you've had to say. Wilson, I think yes. if, if you ask most coaches and most general managers, I don't think anyone would ever use the term there's a honeymoon, even if they're coming off a postseason appearance. I mean, seriously. Because but, but, your fate changes but, but, so much and so quickly in this league. Okay. So I, I don't but, think that term really applies to anybody. Well, but, but listen, Paul, it, it's very hard to fire a coach or a general manager after you made the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> never happens. It never happens. Yeah, but so, no, so, and that may be, and that may be trend-wise, factually correct. I'm not disputing that, Wilson. I'm just saying that okay. even if you're talking about the coach and the general manager in that position, okay. they're not saying to themselves, "Oh, well, I got a full yeah. season to no, mess no. around yeah. because we made the playoffs last year." I don't think anybody no, thinks I, like I, that. I, yeah, and I understand. That. I understand, and I, I also understand. That. Listen to me for a minute. You were saying something about before, right? Everybody goes. Everybody goes through. Through injuries in the NFL. Sure. I mean, Cleveland is winning with Joe Flacco, man. Yep. I mean, uh, Cincinnati is winning with I don't know who. With Jake Browning. Is. Yeah. Okay. And, and then and then Minnesota seven and seven still, and and, and they started like ten different. Can you tell me? Can you Wilson, tell me? Wilson, can you name Wilson. the starting quarterback of the Vikings? Maybe we could pressure luck. How about you want to take a uh, shot on that uh, one? Nick, no. Nick Nick Mullen. There, Nick all right. Hey. Hey. All right, Wilson. 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 Here's the problem. Talk radio. You yeah. just want you want <laughs> yeah. to execute one-sided arguments to hear yourself yell. Here's the problem. None of us okay. here at this table use Giants injuries as an excuse for them losing yesterday. They played bad football. Yesterday, yesterday they lost to a Saints team that played a lot better than they did. We already told you about the touchdown passes that Carr threw. Those were not injury-related. The Giants' defense did not make those plays. So why why are you throwing this injury excuse thing at us? No, I'm not throwing anything at you. You just said it. You were telling me injuries are no excuse. But Lance, Lance told you that, Paulie. No, when I was talking about within the context, I pro- I pointed out that they were down Chris Olave and Ryan Ramchick, right, and I specifically right, said that team, that wasn't a talking point in the game team. because the Saints didn't get it to that point because their depth and everybody else played well. Yeah, that was right. my point. I said that right. exactly. That has and, nothing and, and to do with what you're talking about. 
No, but, but Polly, you're taking things out of context. I'm not talking about just yesterday. I'm talking about this season as a He's talking about overall. Oh, well, there is no question. You are way out of bounds if you honestly believe that the time that they missed uh, Jones and Barkley and Thomas and Waller had no impact on this team. If you honestly but don't I, believe, if you think they, they didn't. I'm not saying that they didn't. I'm well, then what exactly are you trying to tell us? No, I think, Wilson, it, it, other te- go ahead, Wilson, yeah. That all, that all, Polly, Polly. I'm, I'm not saying that those injuries on the Giants didn't have an impact. I'm saying that all teams go through all of it, Polly. Yeah. But none of them, none of them, none of them crumble like the Giants do. That's what I'm telling you. All right, all right, Wilson. We'll, 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 we'll talk to you again next year. Be well. All right. And you know, Joe, the phone call. like Joe Shane said, and and injuries are not an excuse, but they can be a reason, especially when they're timed in the wrong part of your schedule and at the wrong time when other significant guys are missing. When when Joe Shane tells us during the bye week, he's not kidding. He was not laughing. This is not a joke. When he said, man, if you had told me that I would have Jones, Barkley, Thomas, and Waller on the field together for 40 snaps, total, total, 40 snaps. I would have told you in August, if you told me that, this team's going to win five or six games. I could have predicted that. If you told me those guys were going to have 40 snaps together, Come on. That's easy. No, there's no doubt about it. There's much more volume. If you're comparing the Saints and the Giants, the volume of injuries that the Giants suffered compared to the Saints is different. I think where Wilson was coming from is that everybody deals with injuries and a sign of a team and whether or not you could judge them having a good season or a good grasp on injuries is whether or not they can navigate it effectively and remain competitive. I think well, that's what his larger point that's why At there, least that's what I take there's away. There's a group, and I forget their name, and folks, if you're out there in, in Canada, I would love to hear from you. There's a group in Canada that does an analysis on injuries, and it's not about how many guys you lost. It's about the significance of the guys you lost. Yeah, who they are, how much the salary At the time cap. you yeah. lost them, if you lost them in conjunction with other guys and what was the quality of, of the opponents at the time you lost them, they put all of that into sure. a formula. When I saw that their study last year before last season, and I saw their study, it's a, it's a firm in Canada. I wish I could, I wish I was able to, to somehow still get a hold of these folks. They had said that over the previous five seasons, the Giants have been more devastated by injuries based on the value equation that they had put together than any other NFL team. So I'm not just talking about manpower games. Again, understand, they evaluated the injuries based on all of these other factors. And the Giants, over time, had been the worst crippled. That's that's a reason. That's not excuses. That's a reason. And that was tangible evidence based on this this study that had been done by a, by a firm in Canada. Yeah, I haven't seen that number, so I don't want to talk out of line because I yeah, haven't seen I that Yeah, I, I wish I could comparison. get these people on the no, show. But I'll, just, I'll give you an example, and I know this to be factual. The Cleveland Browns this season have lost the most players to injured reserve in terms of the biggest component of cap space. Okay. So if you evaluate every injury on every team, Cleveland's lost more percentage of their cap due to injury mm-hmm. than any other team in the NFL. Now... Of course, a big reason is because Deshaun Watson's contract right. takes up a lot of space, okay? Right. So you have to understand that. So Cleveland, though, despite that being a fact, Paul, is 9-5. and five. 
Mm-hmm. So when people see that, they're like, okay, well, wait a minute. A big chunk of your cap, I think it's about maybe 25% of the cap due to injury they've lost. They've still managed to win nine games. So okay. that's an example of a team navigating the injury issues. Okay, the but point. then to go back to the mathematical equation, you talk about an unbalanced number in terms of the cap number that was spent on the quarterback. Sure. I would love to know what was their number of players, not just manpower games lost, but which players, how many other key players in their lineup were also lost. Yeah, and that I don't have and at my disposal Once right you now, put so. that into that equation, well, I, suspect, sure. I suspect that their impact may not have been as devastating as you may be trying to purport right now by giving us that number. Well, I mean, I could look at the guys on IR. And I know the caliber. I, I, they look no, again. No, I don't have the equation, no, no, and not, I don't have all the numbers. But I'll just give you a few names: Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb is on IR. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's an impactful guy. Oh sure. Okay, Jack Conklin is on IR. Jedrick Wills is on IR. Okay, there's two offensive linemen. Grant Delpit, one of the good secondary players, is on IR. Uh, Jacob Phillips is another quality guy on IR. Rodney McLeod, a veteran who provided depth. So, I mean, I just named, that's more than just Deshaun Watson. I don't have the numbers, but Understood. based on the optics, this is not just taking Deshaun Watson out of the equation for Cleveland. And I don't want to just throw yep. that aside. That's very true. I uh, I think the point is valid that they have done a great job with what they've done. And that's all I was bringing also, up for. Yeah. Also, we must take into account, when did those injuries happen and who did they play at the time? And I completely get that. That yeah. also equates into where do you put their credit, if you will, their resiliency credit. Sure. All things that are part of the dialogue. But I think the reason I brought that up is I go back to the last caller. I think that was what his main point was without – Providing the context, as you and I are further okay. discussing. Len is in Columbia, Maryland, joining us here on BBKO. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Happy holidays, by Same the way. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is not why I called, but I, I just I feel like I have to make this statement. God, that was a Bush League move by that coach yesterday. I, I, I can't believe it. If, 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 he had, if he had done that, if he had done that while he was at Bergen Catholic, he'd be looking for work this morning. Coaches just can't get involved like that. Just, just. I guess his emotions got the best of him. But well, I think they're God, also using it, Len, partially to motivate their own guys too. I'm sure if you uh, ask him, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't heard him talk. Yeah, Maybe yeah, he'll be asked yeah. about it at his presser <laughs> okay. next week. But I think sometimes coaches tap into that to get an emotional yeah. response from their guys. You know what it is, Len? That's what I think it means. I suspect the fact that you and I are both older than 40 probably is why we feel that way. Because, yeah. you know, the younger crowd right now, everything goes at all times. You know the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, listen, um, let, me, let me start with, if, if I have enough time here, let me start with a positive spin. You know, I, I, I kind of expected that they were going to come out a little flat. I, I didn't think it was going to last most of the game, particularly into the second half. Jeez, New Orleans just came out and just acted like they really wanted that game in the second half. I know they're a good third-quarter team, all that kind of stuff, but they just seemed to want that second half more than we did. I got off the phone with some friends at halftime, and they always laugh at my when I say this. I say, we'll talk when the game is over. And the last thing I say to them, come on, let's win the second half um, or win the third, fourth quarter, whatever it happens to be when we're talking. But that was just, geez, that was just a poor second half yesterday. They looked just, like a just, team that was trying to win a division title, didn't they? 
Yeah, they sure did. They, yeah. looking, they frankly wanted it more. Look, um, I, you know, we're coming off an emotional win on a Monday night. We got the DeVito story. Um, you know, we'd won three in a row. Maybe we're feeling a little better about ourselves than we deserve to feel. And I, I don't know, maybe that was part of it. You know, I want to find some reason for that lackluster performance yesterday and that just that awful performance along the offensive line. Len, they won both lines of scrimmage. If you yeah. really want to cut it down yeah. to its bare minimum, the line yeah. of scrimmage belonged to the Saints yesterday. Yeah. And that's it. And, and that's yeah. what you know that's where the book starts. Yeah. And here's another yeah. thing, Len, if you apply that logic to New Orleans, this is why I don't try to play those mind games because I don't think there's a lot of weight behind it. They were coming okay. off a dominant performance against the Panthers yeah. last Sunday. Yeah. I'm sure they yeah. were feeling great yeah. about themselves. Yeah. It was one of their best yeah. offensive performances, yeah. and they followed yeah. it up with just as impressive of an offensive uh, yeah. performance. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing, Lance, I want to – well, I, I, I was just looking for something to hang my hat on. Lance, uh, you know, it's a miserable <laughs> well, I, morning. I, I get it, but but that's okay. what a, that's right. what a conversation's all about. You want to shoot it that's down. Fine. You want to shoot it down. Go ahead and shoot it down. But it's not okay. it's not me. But it's Len, okay, Lance. Len, it's yeah. not me trying to shoot it down. <laughs> that this is what a conversation is about. You bring up a point, I may think yeah. differently. I bring up a point. Okay. I'm not going okay. out of my way to Len, shoot it down. I just think okay. differently than you. In that's this, all. In all, right. in, 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 in all honesty, Len, the intangible card only comes into play yeah. if you take care of business at the foundation okay. of the game. You take okay. care of the yeah. foundation, then the intangibles can add a little something one way or the other. Okay. But the Giants okay. didn't take care of the foundation. Well, because they didn't execute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all what right. it came down let to. Me, all right. Let me, let me, let me move on to a, a couple other things. And to, you know, to, to, to quote Lance from three, maybe it was four weeks ago, Lance, the sacks are killing us. Oh, my God. The, the, difference, <laughs> the difference in yardage, look at the yardage loss on those 76 sacks. Yep. And on our 20, look at the difference between the yardage loss on our, what do we got, 21 sacks? On our 21 23, sacks. 23, I think. Let me look you know, it up. 23 yeah. sacks versus the 76 by the, by the opposition. That's actually, it's 24 it, it's plus be, the one. Yeah. It, it's got to be two football fields in yardage. I mean, it's it's, it's this unbelievable difference in yardage between, sure. I, I mean, what we're losing is just incredible. Um, you, you know, you, you made a good point. Lance, about year after year, earlier in the show, you know, we're talking about a coordinator after coordinator, coach after coach. It just seems to be year after year. How, how, how can that be happening? I, you, you know, I, I, you know, you go down the roster, you go down the injured reserve, you you go down the practice squad. We got 16 offensive linemen. All right, right now, there's 16 offensive linemen under contract to us. There's probably two of them who can play in the NFL. I mean. I, I don't understand. What, you, you, your point is a good one, Lance. I'm not arguing with you. Understand. Um, but but it's, 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 it's year after year. It's coach after coach. It's coordinator after coordinator. I, I mean, how do you – I mean, are they talking to each other? What, Paulie, you're behind – I don't know if you actually walk behind the bench or whether you have to stay from that area. But, but the They're better off if they keep them away from the bench. But, yes, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. When, yeah. when you when, – when you, um, but, Paul, do you observe them talking to themselves when, when this when they, thing they, is over? They come back, and they've got the, uh, the video uh, notebook going, and, and Bobby Johnson's going over things with them. They're talking to each other. The backup linemen who are dressed are also talking to them. They're, they're doing everything they can to coach it up. Now, Len, I'm going to just give you a general answer here. It yeah. may not 
you know, specifically help your your bruise. But here's the truth. Offensive line in general in the National Football League has deteriorated dramatically over the oh years. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Part of it is because they don't have the real practice sessions they used to have. They don't have the real off-season training camps and programs that they used to have. And the other huge part of it, and scouts will tell you this, they will scream it from the top of the Empire State Building. College offensive linemen are just not schooled to play the pro game. So many of these guys don't even know what a three-point stance is. They have trouble tying their shoes because they don't know how to put their hand in the dirt. Okay? This is a huge problem. And then when you tell them in training camp they can't hit but for so few opportunities, how are you supposed to take these guys who have been unschooled in the pro game in college and then suddenly like that teach them how to block in the pro game with your hand in the dirt? It can't happen. The well, the league has destroyed, has destroyed yeah. your ability to develop offensive lines. Well, yeah. I, listen, I believe everything you just said, I, and I agree with it too. And I'm watching other games around the league. I'm not just watching giant it's games. Bad. I'm football all it's bad. It's bad. I'm watching a lot of pro. So I see it. I see it around the league. Uh, but you know, you see the you see the play yesterday with with, with the kid from Kentucky. Well, he's not a kid; he's a three year, four year veteran. Cam Young comes in, plays right tackle yeah. against the four. You know, he held up. I, I mean, the, the guy did a pretty good job. Um, we, we just we just don't have the players there, and the, and the development of these players. I mean, Azudu and McKeithen, uh, guys, they're shot. I, I mean, th- those guys. You know, I mean, I don't understand. How we don't develop these well, linemen. Well, you, no, and you know what? You, you can't you, develop well, them when they're hurt. That, and that's what I was going to hit on. I, I think that's the biggest difference. Now, in fairness, Landon Young, who you were referencing, who filled in for Ramchek, he spent yeah. a little time on IR in 2021, but last year he was healthy. So, you know, I don't know everything they've done behind the scenes with him, but when you're on the field, you've got to make that count. And the problem is yeah. a lot of, you mentioned 16 offensive linemen. I counted five of the 16 are on injured reserve. So yeah, you're, yeah, you're, I'm, you know, yeah, you're not, deve- but, but the point okay. is, the point is, Len, you're not developing those five. If there's potential yeah. out of those five, you can't develop them if they're hurt. Remember, yeah, they the can't practice Wait. on IR yeah. either, so yeah, there yeah, is yeah, but, nothing yeah. being done yeah. except bookwork. Yeah, yeah, but Lance, Lance, let me, let me, let me just mention this: the offensive line coach during the Joe Judge regime told us everything we needed to know about Matt Pert. Okay, it, it's, it's not. I'm citing, I mean, you're talking Shane Lemieux. I mean, these guys have had their chances and didn't get developed. Now they're on the practice squad, uh, not practice squad, on injured reserve, and will stay there for the rest of the season and won't be re-signed next year. They'll be still be street-free day, and somebody may take a chance, because as Paul said, hey, why not take a chance on somebody who's played three years or four years in the sure. pro, or has at least been on a roster? Well, because teams might... need offensive linemen, too. It's a numbers yeah. game, too. That's why. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Well, let me just just one last point. Real quick, yeah. You know the idea about the stunts and so forth. It's week fourteen, guys. It's week fourteen, and yeah. we can't. Now, now maybe you take the Carl Banks stance. Carl says, well, at least they're not whiffing. You know, at least they're not. At least they're not whiffing like week one, two, and three. Um, but geez, it's week fourteen. You think there would be some cohesion? On it. All right. Here, here's my here, here's my prediction over the last three games, particularly for next Sunday. I think we're going to play a competitive game on Sunday. 
I still think, uh, you know, I, and I understand where you came from about, uh, you know, you can't, you can't look at it that way because the Saints were coming off a good game the week before. I, I think we had a little bit of a letdown yesterday, but uh, it was, I mean, there was some, it just looked, it looked terrible. But I, here's my prediction. I'm not predicting a win. I'm just saying, I think last four to six minutes, we're going to be in this game on Sunday. Hey, have a great holiday, and thanks right, for taking you my too, call. You too, Lynn. Hey, Appreciate the hey, call. Hey, yeah. hey, Lance. Hey, Lance. Yeah. Thanks for the conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm not angry at you. I'm, I didn't expect you to be angry at me. I, I'm not <laughs> angry at you. That's all, all right, good. Man. Be all good. Right, you got it. Appreciate the phone call. I was just clarifying that just because I counter the point with something different, it's not because I'm putting your point down. It's just that's how dialogue goes, right? We bring different ideas there to the equation. There are multiple that's how people sides think. to yeah. issues. Many right. a times, yeah. and and sometimes it's just like, okay, there are three or four sides to an issue. There doesn't have to be just one way to look at it. Sure. I mean, just real quick before we wrap up, the twist and the stunt. I mean, I'll go back to Len brought up it's week 14, but we were having these conversations, Paul, late in previous seasons too. I know. So to me, it's not an isolated 2023 issue. To me, it goes beyond, and I'm telling you right now, the Eagles, they're going to pick up on that. And interestingly, I, I'm curious to see what happens tonight because real quickly, I know we're going to get into the Eagles moving forward, but Matt Patricia now, Paul, is supposedly calling the plays, mm -hmm. not Sean Desai, who has the title of defensive coordinator. So I'm anxious to see, does Patricia navigate a game differently than Sean Desai? What does he bring to the table? Because remember, he's from that Belichickian school of thought, and I guarantee you they're going to pick up on what New Orleans did to this Giants offensive line. And if they don't correct that, that could be a problem area. Well, there wasn't exactly anything new, to be honest with you. No, but once again, other teams like the Packers didn't necessarily do that is what I'm saying. Well, so you know, Every coach has to why. decide, do we do what we do well? Bingo. Or yep. do we worry more about what the other team doesn't do well? Absolutely. And we will try to adjust to that. Sometimes coaches outthink themselves. Correct. Or they get nervous that they're putting too much newness on the plate for the players. No, all very valid points. I just, I wonder when it becomes an issue, do you maybe have to give in a little bit and say, we got to do maybe what we don't necessarily run all the time for the sake of scheme. All right. That is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Today's episode, part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be back up and running again on Tuesday at 1230 p.m. Eastern. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.